morning, everybody. DJ Martin here, church pastor at Parker Ford Church. Whether you're a member at Parker Ford or joining us online, it's great to have you with us today as we continue our Advent series on waiting. This is Christmas week. We hope that you've had a wonderful Advent season. This week, make sure to check out our announcements that are being sent out on both Facebook and via email. We have several things going on this week that are going to be a lot of fun. We'll have a live nativity on December 23rd, Wednesday, December 23rd at Parker Ford Church. We'll have animals and then we'll do carol singing together at the church. So look out for that announcement. And then our Christmas Eve service this year will be a pre-recorded service that we'll invite you to engage with. We'll be doing that with North Point Community Church. We've uh, partnered with North Point our last several Christmas Eve services. So we wanted to continue that tradition this year. So make sure you join us for that. Today, we are wrapping up our Advent series on Sunday morning that we've been walking through the theme of waiting on God. And today we're talking about waiting with open hands. When we wait on the Lord, when we wait on anything, often the reality of what comes doesn't match the expectations that we have. And this was certainly the case for the people of Israel who had many expectations for the Messiah, and Jesus didn't always fulfill them as the people of God expected. So I think the encouragement today is to learn to be a people who wait with open hands for God to fulfill his work how he desires rather than us trying to make him do what we want him to do. Throughout this morning, we want to invite you to engage the content. So there's going to be prompts for you to pause the video and have a discussion with those you're with, or perhaps you're alone, and this is an opportunity for you to get out a pen and paper and do some journaling, some personal meditation on the reflection questions. You'll be cued um, in when to do that by the red speech bubble that'll show up on your screen. That's your chance to pause the video and have a discussion. This morning, as we begin our service for the call to worship, we're going to be reading Psalm 98. I want to invite you to stand and read with me Psalm chapter 98. This is from the English Standard Version. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in joyous songs and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre. With the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity." You can have a seat. This morning we have a treat. We've uh, filmed several of these services with a friend and mentor of mine during Advent, uh, Pastor Galen Hackman. Once again, he's bringing the message today. And once again, we're filming in Ephrata Church of the Brethren. So a big thanks to Galen uh, for preparing this morning's message on waiting with open hands. And a big thanks to Ephrata Community uh, Church of the Brethren as we use their facility to film This service. Before we transition to today's teaching, I want to invite you to reflect on the following questions with your family or on your own with the Lord. 
Have you ever waited expectantly for something only to find that the reality did not match your expectations? How did that make you feel? And can you think of a time that this happened to someone in the scriptures when they had an expectation of what something was going to look like, but reality was very different? So go ahead and talk about that, contextualize it to your own life, and then join us for this morning's teaching with Pastor Galen Hackman. Welcome again, Parker Ford. It's good to be with you uh, for this Advent meditation. Uh, Today we're thinking about waiting uh, with open hands, waiting when the outcome is unsure, waiting uh, with the posture that we're ready to receive whatever God may bring our way. As I was thinking about this theme, I remembered uh, an event. Uh, one One of our uh, extended family traditions involves a week of camping together every summer. Uh, there are now four family units in my extended family, and we each get a campsite next to one another at a, at a specifically chosen location. Um, and we anticipate that, that week together all year long. Uh, about a decade ago, we were headed up to Erie, Pennsylvania, and the beautiful Pascal State Park. If you haven't been there, you need to go. It's Pennsylvania's only natural beach, very beautiful area. Now, there's no camping in that particular state park, so we had to make arrangements with the camp uh, in, a private, uh, in a private campsite just uh, as you enter the park. There's a campsite there. <clears throat> and that's a no-reservation campsite. So we couldn't pick out our spots and set them aside and be assured of that. But the manager said, don't worry, uh, when you're on the road... Call me, and I will go out and pick nice four nice campsites, and I'll, I'll block them out, and they'll be here for you when you arrive. So as the date of our vacation approached, our anticipation was building. The grandkids were hyped up, and we all uh, looked forward to this particular camping experience. Uh, Doris and I had been to Pascal before, so we were telling everybody how beautiful it is and kind of heightened the expectation, the sense of excitement around this trip. So we did as we were asked by the camp manager as we were on the road. We called him, said, we're coming. He went out and set four sites aside. And when we got there, he showed showed us this area. And it was uh, four campsites on hard sand, no grass, no shade, sandwiched between the road into Pascal and other permanent campers. It was just downright ugly. We could not see ourselves enjoying a week of camping there uh, at all. Um, And uh, this is the part that I vividly remember with with pain, until this very day, actually. Yolaine, our oldest grandchild, looked at those sights and cried. She said, I can't believe we waited all year, drove all this distance for this. That really hurt. Now, fortunately, a conversation with the management led us to to setting up camp right on the beach under a row of trees, maybe 50 yards from water's edge. And it became one of the most memorable weeks of camping that we've ever had. It was amazingly beautiful. The grandkids, now uh, a decade older, routinely ask about going back there to camp again. So it was a situation where all of a sudden, you know, our, what we had longed for and hoped for wasn't going to materialize, but God did come through and provide a good week for us. 
I'm not sure what it was like for Mary to wait those long months of pregnancy with the growing anticipation of delivery. I'm sure she fully expected to deliver this baby at home, surrounded by loved ones, and cared for by the trusted village midwife. However, a government decree for a census required a journey to her husband's ancestral town of Bethlehem. You may know the story. After the long journey, Mary ends up giving birth to Jesus, not in the coziness of her home, or anyone else's home for that matter, not surrounded by her family, uh, other than her husband, but instead in a strange city, in the stable of a nameless inn, surrounded by the bleeding of sheep. Talk about dashed expectations. Furthermore, how would a birth like that match up in any way with all those things that the angel spoke to her about this child and what he would be? The baby was to be named Jesus, or more correctly in Hebrew, Yeshua, or as we might pronounce it in English, Joshua. You know, there were two great Joshua's or Yeshua's in Israeli history. No doubt when the angel said to Mary, name him Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, Mary immediately thought of these two giants of faith. They were heroes in the stories that Israel told about their their, their history. First one was Joshua, son of Nun, from the book of Joshua, the one who led the people of Israel after their wilderness wanderings across the Jordan into the promised land. Jesus was destined, like Joshua, to also lead his people out of a wilderness, as it were, um, and, instead, and into a promised land, a promised land of spiritual salvation and freedom, out of a wilderness of waiting, a wilderness of wondering what will become of the people of Israel, into this new land, this new promised land of salvation and freedom. That's Joshua, son of Nun. The second Joshua, Yeshua, that Mary would have thought of is Joshua, son of Jezadok, from the book of Ezra. He was the priest who restored worship to the rebuilt temple following the exile. So this baby Jesus would become the great high priest who provides a never-ending, never-needing-to-be-repeated-again sacrifice for all of our sins. So Jesus is this amazing leader, and he's this amazing priest. These are the promises that are made around Jesus. Now, I'm not sure that Mary understood all that, though I'm quite sure she would have thought about these two Joshua's. And why is it that my son should be named? You know, naming is very important uh, in, in the Bible. Um, you know, names mean something, and they have a connection to history. So why, why would this son be named Joshua, Yeshua, uh, except that he stands in the vein of these two great men, as well as others? Um, so I'm, I don't know what all Mary understood about that, but I'm sure she expected great things to come from this pronouncement that the angel gave to her. The angel said, you are to call him Yeshua. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow, that's amazing. How do those lofty expectations, how, how would they be fulfilled by, by one born in a sheep pen? Things were not working out as... Mary expected. So what prepares us 
so that we can be open to receive from God whatever it is he sends, even when it's nothing like what we dreamed of or expected. Mary seems to have rolled with the punches, so to speak. She took things in stride. As the story unfolds beyond Advent and Christmas, there there were many unforeseen developments for Mary and Joseph and Jesus. The flight to Egypt, for example, and life there for several years waiting for Herod uh, to die. Um, The relocation back to Nazareth and the years of, I guess, normal routine development for Jesus. We don't know much about those years at all. But then finally, Jesus' time has come and his revelation, you know, that, his, that he would step into this place of ministry. Um, it begins with this miraculous provision of wine in the midst of a wedding celebration. And then Jesus' ministry unfolds, shrouded in wild claims of messiahship, leaving his own family, wondering what this all means. Life for for Mary was messy, nothing like she could have expected. We know she eventually came to faith in her son. It took a while. There was a struggle. There was a journey. And history, of course, remembers her as an example of faith and faithfulness. This Advent series on waiting undergirds the important truth that waiting is not passive, but it's active. However, the activity of waiting is not striving to make something happen, but actively resting in the confidence that God is in control and he will provide. On the other hand, active waiting does imply that there are things that should engage us while we wait. I believe Mary waited well. Her active waiting prepared her for the various ups and downs of her life, preparing her to receive with an open hand what God brought, even though it was anything but what she might have expected for her child and her experience. When I shared previously in this series, I listed a few things that God does in our lives as we wait for him. He brings strength. He allows us to, you know, to trust him as we let go of control, things like that. I'm not going to go over all those now. I don't want to restate them, but instead, I want to reflect a little bit on the activities that should mark our waiting. If waiting is active, if it's not passive, what are the activities that should mark our time of waiting? And I'd suggest a few of, a few of them to us uh, today. First of all, while we wait, we need to practice Sabbath. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I take that to mean that the Sabbath is a day of rest, a time of rest, a season of rest, a place of rest that is designed for us to step into and enjoy. It's not something that we must press ourselves into, not a mold that we must fill, but instead a gift to us to enable us to stop, step back, and engage in, as I said last time, communication with God and the like. So practicing Sabbath, waiting on the Lord. Uh, Sabbath means rest resting in him. But the rest is not necessarily a passive rest. It's an active rest. We need to slow down while we wait. Remember the story, perhaps, of Mary and Martha, friends of Jesus, and as he comes to their house as a dinner guest, uh, Martha is busy preparing for that event in the kitchen where Mary comes and sits at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says to them, Mary, Mary, or Martha, Martha, the Lord, the Lord said, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, 
and it will not be taken away from her. So the ability that Mary had to engage in Jesus and to wait at his feet, even while there was lots of activity around her, suggests a level of maturity in her life. We have this tendency, I think, in our culture to equate busyness, activity, with maturity and depth. Uh, The active person is the one who obviously is walking close to the Lord, and I'm not sure that that's a good measurement. Actually, I'm quite sure that it's not a good measurement. Uh, We need to also give and fast and pray during our times of waiting. Matthew 6 lists a series of spiritual disciplines that are important for us. Uh, Matthew 6 is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, the teaching of Jesus about the values of the kingdom. And he says that you need to give, you need to pray, and you need to fast. Giving, praying, and fasting. He invites us into these three experiences, or three activities that define what it means to be a follower of Jesus. in other words, while we practice, while we while we while we practice patience, while we're waiting, um, we need to practice our faith. We need to continue to engage in the activities that draws into people's lives and into the Lord Himself. We also need to develop community. The verse in Hebrews ten suggests that as we, uh, uh, you know, that we need to consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good works, that we should not give up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Developing community has been hard this year through COVID and the like when we haven't been able to meet together as routine, routinely as we once did. It took, um, it took an extra effort on our part to stay connected with people, and sometimes it had to be electronically through Zoom and other you know, venues, other platforms that allow us to do that. Uh, we went through a season in our family when we weren't seeing our kids and grandkids. We would Zoom once a week just to stay in touch with them, and they don't even live, live all that far away. Uh, but we need other people. Waiting can be extremely lonely. And I think we're experiencing in our society some of the fallout of people who've been disconnected from family and friends, and they're alone. They're feeling lonely. So, so the focus on developing community while we wait Um, we need to also journal, at least if you're a writing kind of person, or take some notes, jot some things down. The question, what is God teaching me during this waiting time? The last time I talked about things that God wants to do in our lives while we wait on him. Uh, What is it that he's doing in your life? What is it? How is he, uh, you know, developing his presence? You know, what's he calling you to? Journaling can help us with that. Frequently, biblical personalities are told by the Lord, write this down. Write down what you're seeing. Write down what I'm saying to you. Record it for yourself and for those who follow after you. Journaling helps us kind of sort out what's going on. And last of all, to meditate on and memorize scripture. You know, to consider the works. Psalm 77 says, I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Those are the holy habits that they should define active waiting. Waiting is not passive. Waiting is seeking. It's seeking to know God and to understand his ways as he prepares our hearts for whatever the future holds. Going back to my opening story, when our family gathers, as it often does, and the conversation turns to reminiscing about family vacations, invariably someone shares a positive memory of our experience at Pescal. And when they do, 
I again feel a stab of pain in my heart as I remember my granddaughter weeping, and I kind of linger on that thought for a moment. I linger on what might have been. But our weeping was turned, as it were, to laughter and our joy to have our heaviness to joy because we were open to receiving something other than what we had planned for. God had pro- provided a way. In life, as in camping, God often has more in store for us than we could imagine or hope for. If we live by faith with hands wide open for what he gives us. Certainly that was Mary's experience, and it can be yours. Wait on God. But don't wait passively. Seek him in your waiting, and he will reward you. Amen. Thank you so much, Galen, for bringing the word this morning. As an opportunity for us to reflect on Galen's teaching, I have a few questions for us to reflect on on your own with the Lord or with those you're with this morning. How might we learn to wait with open hands on the work of God in our lives and in the world? Do you think that Jesus' actual life matched Mary's expectations for what his life would be like? Do you think that Jesus' life matched the expectations that the Jewish people had for their Messiah? And finally, does Jesus always match up with your expectations for him? Take a few moments to reflect on these questions and then I invite you to join us for this morning's benediction. Once again, a big thank you to Galen for joining us this morning and bringing the word. We also want to thank Ephrata Church of the Brethren for hosting us and graciously allowing us to use their facilities to record this teaching. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Lord, we pray that we as your people would learn to wait with open hands, that rather than seeking to make you into our image, that we would be a people who are continually through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the ministry of your word in our lives, through the community that you've brought us into, being formed deeper and deeper into your image. May we be a people who wait actively and patiently on the work of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Go with God. Be blessed.